Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to keep it short and sweet for the intro here today, but we do have another exclusive interview here on the show this week, this time with WWE superstar Shayna Baszler. Now, this was recorded last week before the Reginald match on Raw, which we preview and I say I'm excited for and all this other stuff. Um, I was only excited to see it. I should preface the conversation by saying this. I was only excited to see Shayna versus Reginald for the fact that she was hopefully going to kill the guy on Raw. Not literally, but just completely annihilate him, move on, become the Sheena of old, and that would be that. Unfortunately, that's not exactly what we saw. She lost to Reginald on Monday night, which we did not have a chance to talk about here on today's show with Mr. Marceau. Not with Shayna herself, obviously, but with Mr. Marceau. I didn't have time to get into NXT thoughts this week, Raw thoughts. I thought we would, but we spent so much time breaking down the latest round of shocking releases that we didn't really have an opportunity to. Usually we do talk about Raw and NXT, but in addition to Double or Nothing thoughts from AEW on Sunday, which we do get into, uh, we have a lot to say about the round of releases on Wednesday that saw Lana, Ruby Riot, Santana, Garrett, Murphy, Aleister Black, and Braun Strowman all get released from WWE. We break down each departure, what could have been done more with them, um, you know, how shocking they were, stuff like that. That's going to be safe for the second half of the show, but coming up right now is my interview with WWE superstar Shayna Baszler only after I tell you where you can listen to WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday right here on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode on Thursdays. Now, without further ado, let's get right into it. My exclusive interview with WWE superstar and former WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, Shayna Baszler. Hey, Shayna, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are awesome. you? Awesome. Doing great. Obviously, coming up on Monday, you got a match with Reginald on Raw. Super exciting stuff. With a match like this, do you approach it like any other match, or are you just extra excited to be getting your hands on Reginald after all this time? Well... Uh, a little of both, you know. Uh, you have to approach it like every other match. As soon as as soon as it changes in your mind, it starts affecting how you how you work in the ring. So, um, in order to do what I do, kind of have to keep it like every other match. However, <laughs> I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't a little bit excited to get my hands on on Reginald and and uh, ground the flippy circus guy. <laughs> so with a, with, with a match like this, is this just total destruction? Is it you're going to take your time and enjoy it? I mean, obviously no spoilers here, but what can people expect from this match? Well, if you... Uh, my game plan is to clip the wings of the flying bird and, and then s- figure out what this bird can do on the ground. <laughs> that's gotta be that's gotta be the plan, you know. He's obviously athletic. 
we've seen him backflipping his way out of a lot of stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, um, um, you know, he, as much as I want to roll my eyes at it being, he was in the circus since he was like 11 or something. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's not used to, um, things being hard on his body and stuff like that. He's obviously in shape. He's obviously athletic. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know if, if you're looking for some exciting flippy Reggie feature, maybe it isn't the match for you to watch because I'm <laughs> going to show you what happens when a technician grounds a flyer. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. That's why I think people are looking forward to it. And I think another thing about this match, too, is that we don't ordinarily see intergender wrestling, specifically in WWE, kind of wrestling in general, but definitely WWE. It's not something that we see often. Uh, With you personally, what is your view on intergender wrestling? We don't see it a ton. Is it something you're looking forward to doing? Might want to do more of in the future? What's your whole view on that? Well, so this is... It's it's an interesting topic, and it always is, Mm -hmm. because... Um, I think as a martial artist and a fighter, I understand. I trained, I was the only female on my fight team for years, Mm -hmm. for the majority of my career. So this like sparring, um, uh, I've even entered um, submission wrestling tournaments and wrestled in the men's division because the women's division, the women in the women's division weren't as experienced. So I felt like I was going to get my money's worth to enter this tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is not new to me and it's also not new to me or anyone else that trains in that sort of martial art to understand that a woman can compete with a male. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not a question. And it's surprising to me that in this day and age that that's so hard for people to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, people can understand that, um, a smaller, more skilled amateur wrestler could hold their own against someone in a higher weight class, but turn that smaller, more skilled amateur wrestler into a woman. And suddenly there's a question about it. Um, it's just something weird. And I don't know, um, innate in us as, as beings, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I also, uh, I also am only in support of intergender wrestling when it makes sense. And when I know the woman knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't suggest to just any, you know, this is not something I wouldn't, I don't even know if it's appropriate to name names. I wouldn't tell Lana to just get in there with any, any male on the roster, mm-hmm. you know, but someone like myself, who's a technician and I've, I'm experienced competing against males and I, I know how to balance technique versus strength. Um, you know, that, that it's a little more fitting for someone like me. So, you know, I'm not like all gung ho, um, all women should fight on an equal ground with a man if there's women that train to do that i'm all for it yeah i think the argument for me is that people don't necessarily believe all the time that a woman can train to balance out that that male versus female aspect but that is possible and i'm going to show that yeah, no, 100%. I think you make a great point, too. I definitely think it depends on the circumstance. But you're right, too. Do you think a lot of people just are turned off by it? And obviously part of it is personal preference, which is whatever. But do you think a lot of people are turned off by it at this point because it's something that we just haven't seen before and people are just kind of scared of what's different? Yeah, I think that um, pro wrestling is an interesting medium because um, it has a shared relation with things like mixed martial arts and also at the same time with things like... <laughs> Marvel movies, right? Yep. It's a little yep. bit of both. And um, so I think when you look at the side of, like, a Marvel movie, we're not going to argue. 
Like mm-hmm. all the all the women superheroes always are fighting the guys in that. Um, but when we look at it in like a mixed martial arts sense, we're never going to see that. That's just not something. Um, and you know, that's not getting into can women be competitive. That's not what I'm saying. But um, that's just a lose lose. There's no reason that women will ever compete professionally in a fight sport against men. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's hard for people to kind of meld these two thoughts um, to realize that professional wrestling is its own entity. Yeah. You can't watch professional wrestling all the time the same way that you're going to watch mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. You can't watch professional wrestling the same way that you're going to watch uh, a Marvel movie in the theater. So it's this kind of new entity that people are trying to kind of balance and they think they have to pick one of the two avenues to watch it, you don't have to. Professional mm-hmm. wrestling is its own thing. So, um, you know, and we you already mentioned, like, people come in with their, perhaps their own taste and their own uh, maybe traumas and personal reasons why they don't like it. But I think in general, if people can be shown, and that's what I want to do, is show people there is there is a way this all makes sense and you can believe it because it's real. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I kind of went, I kind of veered off track. But I hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, you make a lot of good points. And it's, I, I love having this conversation about stuff like this. Cause it's not something that we see often. So even for people who just don't like it, I think it's worth giving a shot. You know, I mean, obviously it depends on the circumstance, who it is, like you said, um, especially just this day and age, it's, it's worth giving, you know, a shot to. So I absolutely love talking about that stuff, but you did mention, and I got to ask you, you mentioned Marvel. Are you a Marvel fan that's never... You've never struck me as a Marvel fan before. Are you just using that as an example? Yeah, I am a Marvel fan. I wouldn't say I'm, like, as diehard as some people, but I'm more of a, like, Star Wars and sci-fi okay. type of fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do it, I do enjoy Marvel, yes. Okay. I enjoy Star Wars as well, so I gotta ask you, are you looking forward to Black Widow in a couple months? What's your favorite Marvel movie here? Yeah, I am looking forward to Black Widow. Um, I like... So, so, okay, this is, this is, this is something else. I'm a huge, like, martial arts movie Mm -hmm. fan. Um, I like bad, cheesy ones. I like really good ones. Um, I just love watching fight scenes in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love, uh, Black Widow's style of martial art. That sounds weird to say because, you know, she's a superhero and they use, uh, (laughs) kind of magical powers and whatnot. But, um, the martial art that black widow derives from is really cool to to watch because it's different it's not like wonder woman that has super strong superman powers Mm -hmm. she's using like fighting skills you know so that's always cool to me um so i'm really looking forward to that um or sorry go ahead no, 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 go ahead. No, no, I was just going to ask, kind of going off of that, is there any one Marvel superhero, or really just any superhero in general, I guess, that you see yourself most similar to? Like, would you call yourself the Black Widow of WWE? Would you be the Gamora or someone like that, you know? Oh, that's a good question. Captain Marvel, um, maybe? I don't know. There's a lot of choices. There's a lot of great choices. I think it'd be more of a... Dang, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> I think with my style of martial arts and the the attitude I bring, I'd be more of a villain than a hero. Okay. Um, but I don't think I'd be a villain. Uh, who am I trying to think of? I think I'd be uh, one of those 
villains like this isn't my choice i know because we're it's just an example, but mm-hmm. you know, Magneto's a bad guy. But when the line got drawn, he would he would fight on the good side. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think that's kind of the villain that I would be, where it's like, no, nah, I'm doing my own thing. But when like the line is drawn in the sand, it's like, okay, you know what I mean. So um, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I'd have to like research some a little bit more to like pick just one. Yeah, that that would represent me, especially a uh, a woman. Yeah, no, yeah, male, female, it really doesn't matter. But Magneto is a great choice, though, and hopefully at some point we get to see Magneto in the MCU. But we'll get back to the movie stuff in a little bit because I do want to ask you more about that because there's just so much to get into there. But um, I, I yeah. gotta ask you about the team stuff too. You and Nia Jax have been teaming for a long time. We're seeing you going at it in a singles match this Monday on Raw. Uh, what's the status of that? Because you guys obviously failed to recapture the titles last week on Raw. Would you still consider you guys yourselves a team? Is singles something you want to get back into at this point? Look, I just want to wrestle wherever the bodies are lined up for me to to dismantle. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Do I have a preference? I want to. I want to win titles. Um, obviously, I want Naya to to not be so distracted. So that's what I'm doing right now is mm-hmm. taking care of the distraction. And I think um, once she's snapped out of this kind of like weird, uh, I don't know spell or whatever she's under with this Reginald thing that we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were unstoppable when there were no distractions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just um, nipping it in the, in the, in the head. Yeah. Is there anyone specifically on the raw roster right now, or I guess even SmackDown, NXT, whatever that you specifically have your sights set on? Obviously Rhea Ripley is one given your history. She's the raw women's champion. Is it Alexa bliss given her kind of recent shenanigans and whatever? Is there anyone that you're specifically setting your sights on? If, if, if someone is in my way, if you're not in this to, to win the title and mm-hmm. sure, there's a side of me that's in this just because I like, the puzzle of like breaking a human into ways they're not supposed to like if anyone's in my way of one of those two goals, then they're, they're the ones that's going to get taken care of. Mm -hmm. You know, I have Reggie. He's in the way right now. That's, that's going to be taken care of. If Alexa keeps, you know, I take care of Reggie and Alexa keeps poking her nose in my stuff. Well, I could take care of her too. Mm -hmm. Um, real she's, she's, you know, Hopefully she's still around because I have unfinished business with her. Um, if Becky ever wants to show her face around again, I have unfinished business with her. Mm-hmm. There's there's even, you know, I don't like to limit myself to just one side. If Bianca, I, I've taken care of her before. Mm-hmm. I, that would be a shot I, I wouldn't mind. You know, there's, there's a ton of people. Um, and I think um, for the fans, I guess, there's a ton of people that uh, could be an interesting matchup style-wise for me that I haven't dealt with before. Re- Reginald being one of them, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I think there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Yeah, 100%. Now, talk to me a little bit about WrestleMania, because you were at WrestleMania this year, and obviously you were there last year too, but this year with fans, because your first Mania in front of nobody at the Performance Center, this <laughs> year in front of 25,000 people or whatever it was. How crazy of a difference was that for you? Um, You think you know... Like, you know, we all went the whole year, no fans. Um, and you think you know. Like, you're like, well, obviously it's better. Uh, can't <laughs> yeah. wait till we get fans back. Oh, good. WrestleMania is going to be cool in front of fans. But I'll be honest with you, walking out on that stage the first night, right as the show started, and um, hearing 
the collective you know there's a everyone knows there's like a collective crowd noise mm-hmm. that's like tens of thousands of voices as one and hearing that and the fans chanting and being so i think on top of it being exciting for them the first show they've seen um live and i've always said that wrestling and fight sport are things that are meant to be experienced live there's nothing like watching live mm-hmm. um even if you're only slightly a, a passively a fan you should go <laughs> but um like it really hit me in that moment sitting on stage pro wrestling is an interesting medium because the crowd is not just an audience of the fans they're a character in the show mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you can't go to a movie and cheer when the bad guy loses and the good guy looks at you and high fives you and you know what i mean i don't yeah. know there's there's a certain interaction that happens in professional wrestling where it, it really makes the crowd essentially a character in the show so there's been for over a year there's been there's been one of the main characters missing. So um, I think it kind of all hit me in that moment. It was so much more, it was kind of emotional. You saw people up there um, with tears in their eyes and stuff. So it was really, and we all were walking back after mm-hmm. that first announcement thing going, man, I needed that. Yeah. I really needed that because it gets long and tiring to fall on floors and get hit in the face uh no one. <laughs> yeah, no, so. definitely. And it's such it, it's such a difference I mean, in terms of the atmosphere and everything else. And, yeah. And it's crazy, too. You go back a year, because right before WrestleMania, one of your last live events was Elimination Chamber, winning that pay-per-view main event in front of fans. Mm-hmm. And then, like, literally three or four days later, a pandemic hits, and it's just all downhill from there in terms of just, yeah. uh, you know, no fans and everything, which is crazy. So, like, you know, I know when we spoke last time, you talked about finding your footing in front of, you know, just being on the main roster and how different it is from NXT, blah, blah, blah. Do you kind of have to find your footing again and when you have fans back in terms of like it's such a different thing to feed off the fans i mean obviously you've done it for your entire career but like learning how to do that whole thing over again i think it's an interesting thing because um i think i'm in a special spot with my ring style where uh, this can only benefit me Mm -hmm. um i think this past year where the only the only perspective the audience watching has been shown is my close up of me bending someone's elbow the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard to show a live crowd when they're 30,000 seats back over that way up in the ceiling. Um, but now that they've, everyone that watches wrestling has been shown this close up of what I do. Now I think when we get back, the crowd will know, you know, and I think like it touched a little bit, um, where when I was having matches before the pandemic hit, and, and, and it's a it's a thing I know is going to happen, just because I have been doing this that long, that the crowd has to be taught what I do. Mm-hmm. But now I think they've been taught better than they would have had they been sitting there live. Yeah. And so I think now when we get back to a live crowd, I feel like it's, it's a very comfortable spot for me now, mm-hmm. where... Um, it almost helped me get my footing easier, this mm-hmm. happening. In hindsight, I mean, obviously, you always prefer being in front of a crowd and, and, and all that. Um, but I think it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise for me that it happened that way. Um, yeah. So I'm stoked to see when we get back to a live crowd, not the, now that the audience in the WWE universe knows what I'm doing, um, how it all plays out. 
Yeah, I mean, if you could do it in front of no fans, you could definitely do it in front of 10,000 people or whatever it is. And, you know, being yeah. a former MMA fighter yourself, obviously, you know the experience of working with lesser people or a lot of people. So you have that experience behind you. Uh, last couple of questions, and I forgot to ask you last time, but I have this thing with my girlfriend. We don't know what it is about your theme song. In the very beginning, hopefully you can answer this for me. Is it gears? <laughs> is it horses? Well, I thought it was horses because the four horse women. But obviously, I know you're a big car person. Is it gears? What is it in the beginning of your theme song? Uh, it is supposed to be the, the cart that the horse, the horses are pulling. That's what I thought. Okay. I was yeah. right then. Okay. I, she's been trying to tell me for like a year now. No, no, it's gears. It's the, I'm like, listen, it's not a car. It's definitely horses. <laughs> That's what I thought it was. Okay. Thank you it's for clarifying cart. that. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, cart. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So thank you for clarifying that. Uh, last thing, uh, we were talking earlier about movies and whatever. Obviously knowing you're a big car fan. Are you a Fast and the Furious fan? Are you going to be seeing that when that comes out soon? Uh, I'll, I'll probably go see it. I wasn't like the biggest, you know, I wasn't a person that has to go see every single one. Obviously, um, Rhonda and being friends with Rhonda and, oh, and I yeah, paid attention a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fast. So like I, I have a 69 Mustang. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, obviously that Eleanor and in, in like I, when I watch movies, I look for American muscle cars. So the, the I don't know this I I, I I can't explain it. I'll watch a movie and appreciate the car, mm-hmm. but the car isn't what is going to draw me into the movie. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes um, sense. But yeah, I, I I am a big muscle car fan. I have a I have a '69 Mustang that I'm trying to restore right now. That's a forever process, and people <laughs> that restore cars know. Um, but I also like off my bucket list someday before I die want. A seventy Chevelle. Nice. Those are the two cars I want. So that's awesome. And, and kind of with yeah. the world opening up again. Last question for you: What one thing you're looking forward to doing again? I was talking to Bronson Reed. He said going to the movie theater. I completely agree with that. For you, what is it? I think um, being able to visit my nieces more often. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously now we're going back on the road, so that's going to be another juggling act. But. <laughs> Uh, you know, my sister, um, my sister dealt with uh, t- cancer, so she was kind of at risk. So mm-hmm. just to be safe, um, it's been over a year since I've been able to go visit and see my nieces and stuff. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm excited about. And and going to Star Wars land maybe sometime when I have oh, time. Have you been there yet? <laughs> yeah, of course I have. And then I bought a season pass because I was like, I'm going to go every weekend when I have a chance. <laughs> and then like the pandemic happened and I couldn't even go. I got to go to that Katina because it looks amazing. It's still on my bucket list. So that that yeah, Avengers awesome. one, I was supposed to go to Disneyland on the Friday before the pandemic hit, and then my trip was completely canceled. Obviously, so um, yeah, th- that's another Ugh. thing for me. Oh man, so I'm looking forward to the world opening up, and I'm looking forward to your match as well with Reginald on Monday's Raw. It's going to be great, uh, Shana. Thanks so much for the time. It's so great talking again. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks again to Shannon for the time. It was absolutely awesome talking to her. And she is a real-life badass, but she's so much more down-to-earth than you would think from watching her on TV. Um, Just speaking to her twice now, once now, and once a few months ago, before, what was it, the WWE Women's Tag Team title match in NXT, when she and Nia faced Dakota Kai and Raquel on NXT. And that was like three months ago. Um, She's great. She's an awesome conversation every time. And you can check out this interview also in article form over on DailyDDT.com. Now, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mr. Marceau, breaking down the latest round of releases and AEW Double or Nothing on Sunday night. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? 
Doing well, GSM. Doing well. Always have a lot to talk to you about. This week being no exception. I was almost contemplating recording this with you on Wednesday, um, like on my birthday itself, just because I was like, oh, maybe it'll save some time because we talked on Wednesday last week. And I feel like the funny thing, we, we, we literally just said this before we started recording here, where stuff always happens right when we're done speaking. Like, I'm sure after we're done talking today, there's going to be a few more releases later on today, like Randy Orton's going to get fired or some shit. Not realistically, but like something like that will happen. For example, last week when we spoke, Adnan Verk had just left WWE, and we were like, again, we were literally just talking about this, where I said, oh, Braun was on Raw, or, you know, whatever, he could be a player on Raw when they use him, and I recorded that episode of Hashtag before the release happened yesterday on Wednesday. Same exact thing, dude. Last week, when we recorded this show, we recorded it on Wednesday, news broke the next day, Thursday morning, right after we spoke, that Tom Phillips got canned. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so I feel like every time we record these, we always like it's not even like thirty minutes after you or I, you text me or I text you like, dude, so and so got released every time, or like something big happens once we, once we unrecord. It's I don't know, maybe we need to record later. I'm not sure. I we might have to now. I mean, I don't know if this is a Wednesday release thing because the last round of releases I believe was on a Wednesday. The NXT cuts a few weeks ago were on Wednesdays as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a crazy last year with all the people they've let go. Um, it feels like old news at this point, honestly, with how many people they've let go in the last, you know, 24 hours, but let's discuss that first name first. And I just reminded myself of it right now, but Tom Phillips got, uh, getting let go from WWE last Thursday, following a near decade run in the company. We all thought he was being put back on the raw commentary team following the departure of Adnan Verk. Obviously not the case. Um, they're putting in Jimmy Smith instead, who debuted on Raw. Honestly, I thought he did very well. But to let go of Tom Phillips, who did a lot for the company on screen and behind the scenes, to me was very, very puzzling. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see Tom Phillips go. I feel like everyone thought he was kind of like the Michael Cole 2.0 or kind of the next guy that would fall in the footsteps of Michael Cole. But I also think Vance Joseph's pretty similar, so maybe they're you know, more fond of Vance over over time, but it definitely was a little surprising, a little puzzling. Um, just, I mean, I, I, I thought he would replace uh, Adnan Verk on Raw as well, but I actually was very surprised with how well Jimmy Smith was on, on Monday night. I mean, he was coming from MMA. He's done similar. It's not the same, but combat sports and wrestling, it has some kind of different, vi- same vibes going on. Obviously, it's hand-on-hand combat, and I think he did great. He didn't sound forced. He sounded like he knew a lot about the project or enough to come across as intelligent so i like tom phillips i just i think i think a lot of people just thought he was just like michael cole and his very fake and ungenuine commentary yeah no i mean even with that being said i mean that's why you would think that they would keep him is because he kind of followed the michael cole formula i i i really like tom phillips i'm not going to say he was my favorite commentator in the last decade or so but i i enjoyed his work more than most at least more than byron saxton or someone like that so I don't know if something happened. I know he was taken off of Mania because I think he had COVID, and that's why he didn't call the action on that show. I don't remember exactly, but um, that's a real shame. He hasn't really spoken out about it in the last week, so I'm sure we'll find out the full story at some point. But you mentioned Jimmy Smith. I thought he did well on Raw this week, and there was some hesitation going in. At this point, there should be because every Raw commentator we've had in the last year or two has all been – they've all been let go. Tom Phillips got fired, Adnan Verk. 
uh, was, you know, he, he parted ways with the company. Vic Joseph lasted all of a month. So there was clearly some hesitation there from fans going into Monday's Raw with Jimmy Smith with the tweet that surfaced as well that I'm sure you saw where he indicated no less than two years ago that he has not watched wrestling since he was in grade school, which would have been 30, 40 years ago. So that's quite saying something. And I thought he went in there on Raw this week and did a very good job. And you mentioned the fact that he used to call combat sports, UFC, Bellator, American Ninja Warrior. He brought that energy, and I thought he did very well. I don't know how long he's going to last, but I thought for night one he did very well. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said, I I think having the mixed martial arts background, um, it's very similar to wrestling, so I feel like it just... It didn't seem forced. It seemed genuine. It wasn't kind of like the buzzwords that they normally use. So I thought his first night was good, and I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah, same here. Now let's get into the other releases from yesterday before we get into Double or Nothing thoughts and some raw thoughts and stuff like that, Um, just because this is obviously the most prevalent topic right now. So they let go of six superstars as of this recording. i got to preface it by saying that because I'm sure there will be more. Um, like, for example, like I said, the NXT cuts a few weeks ago, we talked about those when we recorded on Thursday, later that day, if not the next day, Velveteen Dream got cut. So we saved those thoughts for the following week. So there might be more to come. I've heard there is more to come. Um, as of right now, on Thursday afternoon, there have not been. Um, there might be NXT UK cuts. That wouldn't surprise me. I haven't seen anything. Um, but so far, these are the only six names confirmed to be let go by the company themselves including Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot, Murphy, Lana, Aleister Black, and Braun Strowman, obviously being the most surprising of the bunch. Let's break them all down here, starting with kind of like the lower level, moving on our way up to more shocking. Uh, beginning with Santana Garrett, because, you know, we haven't really seen a hell of a whole lot of her. I know she was in the Women's Rumble back in January. They signed her in late 2019. You were already familiar with her. Were you not going into when she was signed? I thought you were, but I'm not sure. I think she had made some appearances on NXT. Um, so I'm yeah. pretty familiar with her. I liked her. I thought she was good. Um, I feel like they just never really used her um, enough to actually get the fans to care for her. I feel like on NXT, she was always kind of like, I don't know if her enhancement talent, but she was always in there just kind of losing. Then they randomly called her up on the main roster. She was in the Royal Rumble, and then we hadn't seen her since, so not sure what happened there, but... Yeah, it's kind of a similar situation. It's a, sim- a situation similar to the one of Chelsea Green where she was in NXT for a while, and they did more with Chelsea than they did with Santana, but they called her up, had a one-off match on the main roster. Uh, Chelsea's being on SmackDown, Santana's being in the Rumble. Chelsea got hurt. Santana had no reason to not be on the main roster. Um, kind of a similar story with Vanessa Bourne, too. We were reading reports that she was officially called up. To me, unless you appear on the Raw roster, on an episode of Raw, as a contracted talent, you are not a part of the main roster. So maybe internally she was considered to be a part of the Raw roster, I don't remember seeing Vanessa Bourne on Raw at any point. I know Santana Garrett made a few appearances on main event like a year ago at the beginning of the pandemic, but it's fucking main event, so it doesn't really count. Um, But yeah, that one surprised me just because they never really gave her a fair shake. Like you said, she made a handful of appearances on NXT. To call her the CJ Parker of NXT for the women for the last year and a half I think would be accurate, and that you see her a few times. She's kind of the stepping stone for other talent, and that was really it for her. Um, I I thought she was talented. They never really developed a character for her. But honestly, dude, I think that was the case of when they signed her in late 2019. I honestly think that was more of a case to not allow her to go to AEW or another promotion, but specifically AEW, than it was because they really wanted her. 
Like, I mean, I feel like we, we see this a lot, but specifically in the last couple of years, they just sign people to keep them away from the opposition. And after they kind of just devalue their stock, because Santana Garrett had appeared for the company f for years, dude. I'm talking like 2013, 2014, 2015. And all of a sudden they decide to sign her in 2019. I think it was more due to the fact that they didn't want AEW to have her than anything. Yeah, I mean, I really like Vanessa Bourne. I thought she had some decent talent. Um, they just never really, like you said, she was a stepping stone that never really used in a prominent role. I mean, I don't know if I would say they kept her just to keep her away from AEW because I feel like Ty Conti had way more potential than she did and they got rid of her. Um, so, I mean, maybe maybe they did, but I feel like that Ty was, had way more potential than she does. And I mean, I feel like that's one of the people they're now kicking themselves for because she's been great on, on their TV. But, um... She had a good, good little run in NXT. They did call her up. Like I said, I think she was on main event maybe once or twice, and then you never saw her again. So not sure what was going on there, but, I mean, she was another one that never really had a fair shake. She didn't really even have, like, a memorable run in NXT. Like, she teamed with uh, Aaliyah for a handful of months, and then, then she got called up, and the rest is history. So never really got a fair shake is what it is. Um, but it, it, it's not too surprising when I saw her name on there. And before we get to even any of the other names, I got to ask you this. Do you think at this point women's wrestling, not that it means the least that ever has, because that's definitely not the case considering where we were with women's wrestling a decade, decade and a half ago. But do you think it feels like much less of a priority to this company than it has at least in the last five or six years on the main roster anyway? Because you look at all the women they've let go and they don't really have a lot of women. Women on either brand, but specifically SmackDown. SmackDown has all of seven active women on their roster. Natalia, Tamina, Sasha, Bailey, um, Bianca, that's five. Carmella, and who was the other one? Oh my god, I don't remember. There's someone else too. Liv Morgan? Um, Liv Morgan, Liv Morgan, thank you. Yeah, so that's the all all seven women that SmackDown has. They don't even really use everyone they have. They've used Carmella once or twice recently. Raw doesn't have a lot of women. A lot of the women were in tag teams. And now with Ruby Riot gone, Lana gone, they have Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke as a tag team. And they have Natalia and Tamina. And technically Nia and Shayna if you want to keep them a team. But they lost the titles. I would assume they're going their separate ways. Why would they stay a team? So your thoughts, I mean, before we get to any of the other releases, your thoughts on the state of women's wrestling right now in WWE, at least on the main roster. Good. It's not the greatest, I'd say. Um, I heard you on hashtag, and I completely agree. I think since Ronda left, and especially since Becky left, it's definitely taken uh, a back seat on on their priority list. I mean, they are. I feel like on Raw, they are on weekly. Like mm -hmm. you have a, a couple of women segments weekly. They're just the creative just isn't there. Just like Shayna should be way more important than she is now, and she's just a fucking loser, losing to Reginald and the whole Lily stuff. Like. Why would anyone even take her seriously? She all she's done the last couple of months is lose. Even when her and I were the tag team champions, they lose like pretty much the two matches they would have before the defense, and then like miraculously retain. So it's not even like they were strong book champions. Um, Nia's whatever. I mean, not her biggest fan. Um, Dana and Mandy. I mean, I feel like Mandy was going to get that big push after she beat Sonya, and it went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Dana yeah. Brooke. I mean, she. I, I, maybe they like that she's athletic. Maybe she's nice, but as a wrestler, she does nothing for me as a character as well. I think Mandy has a lot of great potential on tap, but I just don't think at this point, with all the people that we've seen that have got released over the last couple of years, I feel like they've had a lot of potential as well, and they tapped into that as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if she's probably either later on or next year she's the next victim because she has so much potential, but they've just done nothing with her. Um, then they just have like the big ones, Asuka, I mean, 
she she she's been a champion multiple times. Like her last run was horrible. Um, I don't know what they're really doing with her. Charlotte will always be in the title picture. Rhea, she's been fine for whatever. And then Nikki Cross is whatever. So, mm-hmm. Raw, whatever. I think SmackDown's done a better job. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's been better. I mean, Carmella is a former champion. She's been on TV recently. Bailey, Bianca, Sasha will come back. Liv Morgan. I mean, I'm surprised she didn't get released. I mean, she she's been she's been fine, but like she's just been a tag team person, and she's never even when they had that little. Uh, when she came back with Lana, like that went absolutely nowhere, and mm-hmm. then she went to Riot Squad. So, I, I just feel like they have a lot of people that have untapped potential, but they maybe they're just too afraid to actually tap in it. And I don't know. I feel like they just go back to the well every time. Oh, we need so- Charlotte is in the picture. We need so and so in the picture. It's just like they keep going to the same old people. When maybe like in the past they went to Carmella and people just bitched right away and they took the belt off her and she hasn't seen a title shot since. So. Maybe that's why. They're, maybe they're afraid that if they go to someone new, people immediately complain because that's what people do. Um, but I feel like at this point, for the women especially, it's been the same. Three or four women, maybe put in like a Bianca or a Rhea, which is very recent, but they've gone to Sasha and Bailey and Charlotte and Oscar. Like, that's like the last year this is all we had. Yeah, I mean, they really haven't branched out beyond the same few faces that you mentioned. I mean, no, no, you know, Becky hasn't been around. But like I said in hashtag, as you mentioned, uh, from Wednesday, where you can't wait until these people come back to start taking it as a real priority. Because I feel like even before Ronda showed up in 2018, the women's divisions on both Raw and SmackDown featured a decent amount of talent. I mean, they largely revolved around the four horsewomen, but like Alexa Bliss got a chance. And she obviously made the most of it, and she's a star now. Carmella made the most of her opportunities. She became a star. She became a star in that women's division, among other people as well. Um, and not that we're not getting that now. I mean, fucking Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair are the current champions. So it's not like we're you know we're you know uh, relying on the same old status quo of the same four horsewomen and whatnot. They're giving new women new opportunities. But I, I don't know. There's just not a lot of variety there. Like, there were three matches involving women on Raw this week, and none of them were good. Like, how is that possible when you have as much talent as you do? And I completely blame the booking. It's not on the talent at all. Like, I don't give a shit about Lana or Dana Brooke or people like that, but it's not even really necessarily their fault. Um, I don't know, but with the tag team division specifically... Talk to me about this, because I know you were a big advocate of it even long before they started doing the tag team titles. I know we've talked about this a lot over the years. They finally do it. I saw someone say this yesterday, and I think it's 100% accurate. Do you think with the women's tag team titles, it was a case where the company goes, listen, we gave you what you want after years of bitching and moaning. We gave you guys what you want. Now just fucking deal with it, and we won't treat it like anything seriously. Like, we won't actually take it seriously at all, because that's what it feels like to me, too. I think it's... I just think I think it's just like it's a trickle down effect because I think the women, um, the women's division just in general isn't greatly booked. So I think they get in the tag belts, but just like they never really give us a reason to even care about those. Like they had a few teams at first, but then they just kept disbanding these. I don't know if I'd say they're great, but like they had some decent women tag team that like they're clearly better as women um, as a tag team than they are on their own at that point. So like maybe use the tag team division kind of season these people a little bit, maybe work on their character, and then eventually get a breakout. And I feel like that was should have happened for probably like Peyton Royce or maybe Liv or Ruby, and it and, and never materialized. And I, I think it's just a bigger problem at the top of them not knowing how to book the women in general. And then the, at this point, the tag team just kind of, they get them on the show, but it has really no meaning. I, I just don't understand a lot of these releases either. Like, Lana, I mean, so you got to look at it from a business standpoint too. We heard with Braun, and we'll break down Braun's release in a moment. 
We heard with that one, oh, he's getting paid a million dollars a year. So they want to cut costs. They want to save money. They're not doing shit with them. So let's get rid of them. We'll get to that in a second. Do you really think they were paying Ruby Riot more than they're paying Nikki Cross? I'm not justifying, oh, they should have fired this person over that person. And Nikki Cross is on Raw right now. I, I, I don't know, though. Like, it just feels random to let go of people that you're actually... They're not doing anything with the Riot Squad, technically, per se. But they were on the show most weeks recently. They were on SmackDown literally a week ago. They need more teams. They've never gotten a fucking run of the tag team titles. They give all these other teams runs and not the Riot Squad. Makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I know it's a money thing too, but do you really think that some of these other women are getting paid more or getting the, getting paid less than a Ruby Riot? Like, to, to fire someone like her specifically, to kind of go out of your way, it's not even like they let go of Liv Morgan as of right now. So to let go of one member of a tag team, and it's not like they have major plans for Liv, they never have. It just seems incredibly random to me. That's the problem. I mean, obviously the release is the problem, but to kind of go beyond that, it's just weird. Yeah, it just... I don't know, like I said, I think the pricing maybe for some people is like a legitimate thing. Like if Braun's making like a ton of money and they're just like, oh, we can't afford it or it's making too much money, okay. But like, I can't say budget cuts for all the people because I don't think Ruby Riot's breaking the bank for them. Yeah, I just don't understand that. So with Lana, I can maybe believe that because if I recall correctly, she re-signed with the company in late 2019. And I remember that because that was around the time there was... There were rumors, oh, you know, she and Rusev are unhappy, they're going to leave, blah, blah, blah. And then she re-signed for like five fucking years or something, and I'm like, okay, she's probably not going anywhere. So that was another case. Like, go back to 2019, 2018, when AEW first started, and they want to lock down a lot of these people. I mean, is Lana really going to break the bank for AEW and be this major star? I don't think so. But they wanted to keep literally everyone, dude. They were offering big-time contracts to people like Jinder fucking Mahal, Mojo Raleigh, who they already let go of earlier this year. That's probably why they let go of him, because they were paying him a lot of money. Uh, Jinder, I, I suppose they're, they're paying him a lot of money, too, based off the uh, apparent deal that he got a few years ago. But... No, they want to break into the Indian market a little bit more, so maybe that's why they held on to him. Again, it's not really justifying one person over the other, but it just feels random. So, so talk to me a little bit about the releases of Ruby Riot and Lana. Your thoughts on those. I've never been the biggest Lana fan, but she, again, she was uh, literally on Raw on Monday, and she lost. But still, the let go of her was a little surprising. I can't say I'm too broken up about it, but I was definitely surprised from it. Yeah, I, I was more surprised on Ruby, honestly. I mean, Lana, I mean, they did just re-sign her, but I, I feel like Ruby had a ton of potential, never was really tapped in correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I don't think it doesn't help, but I feel like her and Rhea do have a similar, like kind of like punky, darker character for like a woman. So like maybe they just saw Rhea, oh, Rhea's the star, same similar kind of gimmick or same kind of look, so might as well just move on from Ruby that never really gone anywhere. But I feel like she just never really got a fair shake on her own. Thought she was great as a tag team wrestler and, and as her own, so definitely sad to see her go. Lana never was her biggest fan, is what it is. I mean, if if it's budget cuts, whatever. I just think honestly, now that we were saying, oh, they they would sign everyone just to sign them to keep away from AEW. I think at this point they're starting to realize that for how much they thought AEW might be competition, I think at this point they're realizing that they do have a really niche audience that they probably won't get the numbers that they do. So at this point, they're just like, yeah, AEW signs a couple of these people, okay, but I don't think it's going to ma- draw, like, they got Christian and all these big legends and it hasn't really done too much. So mm-hmm. I think now they're realizing, hey, we don't have to overspend for these people. I mean, I think Braun was, Braun, I mean, Braun's a different case, but like these other people like Lana, I like Aleister Black, they just never could seem their footing with him. Um, 
I mean, Ruby, I mean, I feel like some of these people are like, yeah, they might not have a fair shake, but I just feel like, I don't know, I just don't think they ever really had the creative to figure these people out, most of them. Yeah, I mean, I know they still see AEW as competition to a certain extent, but do you think after the first real round of releases, like we're going back a year now to April of 2020 when they let go of Rusev and EC3 and all these other people that had a lot of potential, some of them, you know, a few of them went to AEW, a few went to Ring of Honor and Impact and all these other promotions. Do you think they realized at that point, and a lot of those people weren't going to make a difference anyway. No way, Jose, I don't think I've heard from since. Um, People like that. Curtis Axel, what the fuck happened to him? Do you think a lot of these other people, like when Rusev went there, he's been a star, like he's TNT champion, he's been booked well recently, um, he's become a star for them. Like you said, do you think they realized, huh, like we can let go of Big Show and it's not going to make that much of a difference, it's not going to help them that much, they're not going to gain a million viewers, so it's okay if we let go of these other people? Especially for like the Big Shows of Mark Henry, especially, they're, instead of them paying them for a Legends deal, they'll let them go work for them for a few years, be a commentator, and then... When they're done with that, they'll come back, kiss and hug, and put him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, I like Big Show and Mark Henry, but like, do you really need them on a Legends deal as to be ambassadors? I mean, you have plenty of wrestlers now just doing personal appearances or doing that stuff. I, I think at the end of the day, that's what it really came down to. Like, yeah, Rusev's great, but it's not like he's going to be like the next Roman Reigns or this big superstar. So I think they're realizing that, hey, we can let some of these people go, and it's not going to. It's not going to kill us, and if we sold, if we gave them this big contract, now we can kind of get away from it. Yeah, exactly. And I think AEW. I don't know if they have more money to spend or what they're paying these people. I imagine that by going to AEW, they're not making more than they were in WWE, um, but they're still they're probably happier professionally. So it's I guess it's a trade off. But you look at the other releases from Wednesday, and there were three others that were uh, somewhat surprising, the first of which being Murphy, who we haven't seen on SmackDown in several weeks, months. I think he was on the show facing Cesaro two weeks in a row. He lost before then. You would have to go back to the Rollins feud uh, late last year. And again, I said at the time, I thought he had the potential to be a breakout babyface. I hated the Mysterio, Aaliyah bullshit. You absolutely loved it. It went nowhere either way, regardless of your thoughts on it. It went nowhere. They fucking wasted any momentum this guy had disappeared from the show. He clearly was not happy on his social media. So I feel like if you if you show any hint of frustration on social media, on Twitter, like, oh, they're not doing anything with me, that just gives them more of a reason to fire you. I'm not even saying they're wrong in feeling that way, but to voice his frustration the way that he has probably did him no favors, and they had no plans for him anyway. So he's no longer in WWE, but I thought that was a real big missed opportunity. Not to say he was going to be a future world champion, but SmackDown... Their roster, as talented as it is, dude, you look at it right now in Wiki, it's fairly thin. They've gotten rid of a lot of people recently from SmackDown. They need more players on that show. Daniel Bryan's release or departure, whatever, being among them. But I, I think the let go of Murphy was a mistake as well because I thought he could, have, he could have been a real good, valuable mid-card player for them. Yeah, I agree. I just think that at the end of the day, they had nothing for him. I mean, they gave him that. I thought it was good on Leo Angle, but... <laughs> Well, his opinions are different, but I mean, besides that, I mean, they did nothing with the guy, so clearly that, and that never actually kind of flourished, it had its one moment, and then they kind of just dropped it, and he was off TV, and we never saw him again, so it's one of those things, I just, they don't see him, I clearly don't value him at a high level, I think they think he's pretty replaceable, maybe you can find somewhere cheaper, I mean, that's what it really comes down to the day for him, I mean, I thought he was good, thought he had a ton of potential, I just feel like they never could figure it out with him. Um, I liked him as a tag team guy, but I think he flourished as a singles guy, especially on 205 Live. Um, and I, I guess they just didn't see him as a as a mid-card player. 
I guess not. I don't know. I thought he could have had some fun matches on Fridays with uh, the, you know, the fucking Apollo Cruises and the Big E's and the Zanes and the Owens, but I guess they didn't feel the same. So um, I could see him doing well pretty much anywhere he goes because I think he's really talented. He did have his fair share of success. I mean, he's a former NXT Tag Team Champion. He was Raw Tag Team Champion a year ago, had his career revitalized um, by Paul Heyman and Seth Rollins, and he was also a former Cruiserweight Champion too. Isn't it crazy how you go back like a year to the Paul Heyman era of Raw and literally everyone that he was focused on and really, really pushing, the Murphys, the Aleister Blacks, and the Andrades, all three of them are gone. And all three of those guys were the ones he was pushing the most, it seems. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I think he was just giving guys that they normally wouldn't push pushes because they deserved it. And at the end of the day, once he was gone, they have nothing, they have no plans for these people, so that's why they get released, unfortunately. Um, I, I think he was high on them. I don't think they were. He pushed them. They don't want him around. They got rid of him. But, I mean, I think all the guys that he focused on did have potential. Um, they just didn't see it, I guess. Yeah, it's just fucking wild, man. You go back to, like, take over, what was it, New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend three years ago. And on that show alone, dude, on that show alone, you had Andrade losing the NXT Championship to Aleister Black, both of, now, both of whom are now gone. And half of that ladder match for the first ever NXT North American Championship, they're also gone too. Uh, Velveteen Dream got cut, EC3's gone, and uh, Lars Sullivan are all gone as of the last year. And even the women's match, I mean, Shayna Baszler lost to, uh, or she beat Ember Moon, and Shana, they're both still with the company, but Shayna Baszler lost to fucking Reginald on Raw, so her career might as well be over. But uh, yeah, it's just crazy, it really is. So speaking of whom, speak of the devil, no pun intended, Aleister Black also gone from WWE. This was shocking, if only because he literally just returned. And they put all this effort and time into the promos and vignettes. So this whole idea, and he was saying on Instagram, oh, Vince wasn't never not high on me, and he was, and whatever. I mean, if he was so high on you, dude, and I'm not saying he's wrong, but like, if you so high on him, why would you release him? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it seems like Vince has the final, final shot and the final decision. So if Vince was so high on him, I think he would have figured something out for him. Um... If Harry was shocked, what did he return last week or the week before? I feel like he just came back. Yeah, it was uh, not last week, the week before, yeah. Yeah, he just came back uh, two weeks ago. It seemed like he had a little difference in his character and then got released. So, not really sure. I think he was another guy that just never really... Him and Andrade, honestly, I feel like in the same kind of category. Like, they were pushed. seemed like they kind of lost interest in them or what to do with them. And then they both were taken off TV. Obviously, just brought Aleister Black back but before then he wasn't really on tv at all so i feel like he was kind of that same situation of they tried him out wasn't really a big fan of him then they just kind of got rid of him and then finally released him yeah just crazy man i don't know he was another one they never really gave a fair shake to he was on the main roster for not even two years man and half of that time he wasn't on the show because they had nothing for him late last year like they turned him heel Oh my God! I mean, you talk about one of the biggest waste of talent. Like, we were we not saying three or four years ago? How can you call up a guy like Alistair Black and fuck him up? I mean, like he is the entrance alone. I mean, I think he, he thanked Code Orange for that entrance that could take over what was a Brooklyn Three when he came out feeling like a star, undefeated for his entire time in NXT for the most part. And then they just—he was even undefeated on Raw for like a good year, and then they just did nothing with him. Like, I don't know, man. That feels really surprising to me because the guy can go. He had that star quality, and then they did just absolutely nothing with him. Like, that is just peak WWE right there. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, we were all saying, how can they fuck up Shinsuke? And, I mean, they seem like they're starting to kind of go back on him, but, I mean, there was a, a year or two that he was just an absolute joke. 
Um, so, I mean, I, I think at this point we can never say how can they mess them up because it seems like anyone that was pretty much bulletproof gets messed up at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. The thing, at least with Shinsuke, is that he's had some success. You know, he's won a Rumble. He's won a lot of different titles. How much those title reigns really meant is up for debate. But he did a lot more than Black did. Black hasn't done absolutely anything on the shows. Like, he didn't win any titles, had no memorable feuds, had a couple of good matches here and there with the Cesaros and the Murphys and people like that. But beyond that, he was fucking just booked to look like a loser. Like, they had absolutely nothing for him. So, his most memorable feud, his most memorable claim to fame in the main roster was sitting in a fucking closet asking people to come fight him. I mean, that's that's really what it is at the end of the day. Just amazing. I think even more shocking than Black is we've seen people like Black before come in the company, very, very talented, built up like a star in NXT, and then they fire them. It happens all the time. Braun Strowman, absolutely shocking. We know now, likely, per PW Insider Mike Johnson, that it was a money thing. But not even like with a guy like Black, who is incredibly talented, and Vince doesn't see what we see in him. That I understand to an extent, although it is a little surprising. With Braun, dude, he screams WWE guy. Like, every time I've spoken to him, and I've, I've put the interviews here on the show before, just even a month ago... He is a WWE guy through and through. Like, no matter how much I try to get him to bury the current product, specifically, Ron, how fucking bad it is, he was out there defending it to the best of his ability, and they still let him go. Like, I just, this one really surprised me. I know it's the money thing, but this is a guy, like you said over text yesterday, and you hit the nail right in the head when you said this, this is a guy that could have been the next Big Show, the next Mark Henry, the next Kane. God forbid the next great colleague, someone who was around in that giant role for years to come to go to help put over other people, whoever it might be. And yeah, they've bought, you know, they've they butchered his booking there in the last couple of years. But still, he was still very over, and people liked him, and he had a lot of success, and he was a top guy on the shows. He was just his last match was an awesome triple threat for the WWE title of Backlash, and now he's gone. I mean, try justifying that one for me. Yeah, that one was ex- extremely surprising. When I saw it yesterday, I almost threw my phone across the room. I was like, triple took it. I made sure I like, checked a few times, put my glasses back on a few times, make sure I wouldn't see <laughs> But uh, Braun getting released just was an ha- absolute head-scratcher. I mean, this guy was just in the title match a month ago. Like he said, a great triple threat. I think he did well in that. He was their basically their bi- their best big man. They built him up cr- great. Um, he had a ton of stop-and-go pushes, and people still... I guess to a point cared about him, but like, I just feel like he was one of those guys that could have been like the big show. Like he didn't need to win the belt. Like he didn't need to hold the belt. Like he could hold the belt for a little bit, but like it wasn't a necessary thing for him. Like he just faced a fucking McMahon at WrestleMania for God's sake. (laughs) It maybe at the end of the day, it seems like it clearly was a money thing. Um, I mean, I don't think Braun Strowman's pulling in a million dollars a year, but I mean, I think he might, honestly, I think he is. I could absolutely believe that. I'm just saying, like, he's not, him himself isn't, like, bringing the people in. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. But, yeah, he might have that contract, but I just feel like, especially with all the stop and just go pushes with him, even with all the title shots that he lost, I I still think he was still a big character on Raw. Like, besides Drew and Bobby, he was the only other person that was not in something already that was, like, somewhat of a big deal, and you could just kind of thrust them in, and people would take it seriously. I just... I have no idea what went on there. I, I, I don't even, like I said, I think it's clearly strictly a money thing. I, I, I just, you couldn't, like, restructure or do something else. I just, like, now I'm just like, who's their biggest big man? Fucking Commander Aziz? Like, I, I don't even know. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Omos, I guess. 
These guys are terrible. Like, I like them both, and I enjoy them both, but they're not even anywhere near that level. And the thing is, is that with Braun, he was actually good, too, like, in the ring to an extent. Like, he wasn't having blockbuster matches, but he's had his fair share of, like, really good matches. Like, the matches with Roman were really good. Um, the triple threat recent one, like I said, was good. He was, again, for as bad as his booking was, and I've said here on the show as many times as I have, like, who gives a shit about this guy at that point, at, at this point, with how badly they've booked him and put him in the title picture and lost and blah, 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 blah. Um, he was still over, like, I was that mania, and he got a very good reaction from people that were there, so, I don't know, I, I know it's a money thing, and maybe they couldn't restructure it, maybe there's more to the story there, um, no one is safe, though, I mean, I think that's safe to say that, I, I don't think Roman's going anywhere, or people like that, but, at this point, they were, they are willing to let go of literally anyone if they are making so much money to where they can't justify, um, keeping them around anymore because they have nothing for them creatively. How you have nothing for Braun Strowman, your biggest guy in the roster, and a big star and someone who's had a lot of success, to not have anything for him creatively to me is just mind-boggling. It's absolutely asinine. So, uh, real quickly with each of them, where do you see him going? Do you see these people continuing in wrestling? Do you see them going to an AEW? Oh, Tony Khan's calling them up right now. Like, where do you see a lot of these uh, men and women going? It's tough. I mean... I think, like, someone like Braun, I honestly could see him not wrestling anymore. I don't know. I just feel like he is, like you said, a WWE guy through and through. And his other companies, they're just he's just not their cup of tea, I feel like. Like, if he went to AEW, it would stick out like a sore thumb. I mean, it just would be happening. I think he's just too much of a prototypical, old-fashioned big man that with a company like that, which, I mean, it's nothing against them. I just feel like they're not, like, they're more into, like, the, the more fast-paced flippity-doppities than like the, the old style wrestling. So that's why I feel like he fit with WWE so perfectly. Cause I feel like he fit that big man role. But for him, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's done with wrestling. Um, the women, I mean, maybe Lana goes to AEW. I mean, not like I really care. Um, <laughs> Ruby Wyatt would be a good get for them. Um, or TNA, but Alistair Black, I mean, he could go to AEW. I just, the thing is, I feel like you could say, oh, there's people go to AEW, but they have so many people that are not even using correctly that I don't even know if I even want them to go there at this point. So maybe go somewhere lesser and build them up a little bit and then go to a company like that. But at this point, I don't think they need to be adding more people when they don't really need to at this point. I mean, that's not even taking into consideration the other people that were released that are waiting at their 90 days from the Iconics to Samoa Joe. Um, Andrade is another one that could pop up at some point. Daniel Bryan's a free agent. I mean, that's not even taking into account those people. So it's a very interesting time right now to see where a lot of these people are going to go. I just realized while you were speaking, though, that the 90 days would be up in time for All Out. I mean, that, that might be a proper time, if anyone, of any time, to uh, debut one of these people if they wanted to. Or one of them, or two of them, or whoever it might be. It's possible, but like I said, I, I think they have so many people that are not utilizing correctly now. That I don't, I don't need to muck up the water anymore. To answer the bigger question being asked right now, do you think the company is on the verge of selling? I know this is a whole extensive conversation, but just kind of to cover the surface of it, do you think they could sell in the near future with all these releases and budget cutting shit? I think it's possible, but I don't think so. I, do you think? Do you think they'll sell while Vince is still around? I don't think so, but I think I there's a possibility. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. I honestly think for some of these people, they're looking at the end of the day, is this person really worth this amount of money for to us? No, okay, we got to get rid of him. I think that's a little strictly Braun. I think Braun's great, but a million-dollar guy? 
I mean, I, I don't really see it, but I also know they've also overpaid a ton of people. But I like Braun, but, like, I just don't like – how – what is he done to – I mean, I don't know, like – I just don't think a lot of people are going to see him, I guess. I mean, at this point, it is like the WWE product, but, like, no one's really going all the way to see Braun. I love Braun, but, like, Roman Reigns is one of those guys. Like, people go to see Roman Reigns or Charlotte or, like, one of those people. I just feel like a million dollars for Braun just seems like – I mean, I'm not in the financial business. I'm not sure, but it just seems like a lot of money. Again, I think this his contract was up in the summer of 2019, and I don't think he was saying, oh, I'll leave, but he probably was like, listen, in order for me to stay, this is what I want. And he's not a dumb business guy. I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. So he was a, probably able to work out a deal where he can get all that stuff. I mean, I completely agree. I don't think he's worth a million dollars either. But I also said a year or two ago, the fucking Good Brothers weren't worth $750,000. I mean, are, do you think in retrospect that was one of the dumbest decisions they made financially and they were probably justified in letting go of those guys? Because do you think they're really worth $750,000? I mean, come on, man. They're the revival too. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, especially Gallows and Anderson. I mean, I I always thought they were good. I just never really saw the uh, the greatness that people always talked about them when. I thought they were a decent team, but I mean, I feel like the revival were a team if utilized correctly. I'd bend over backwards for, but Luke Gallows and Anderson, nah. Yeah, I don't know. Just that amount of money is just ridiculous. More power to them for trying to get that amount of money, and they weren't even asking for it. The company was just offering it to them like stupid. Like just, it's just terrible business, and they're probably realizing that now. So, I don't know. I'm sure we'll find out more about this stuff as we uh, progress and where things end up with a lot of these people. Let's talk about Double or Nothing, though. I know you have a lot of thoughts about the pay-per-view. We've discussed it here and there over text in the last couple of days. I thought overall it was a good show. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you find it to be one of the better pay-per-views the company's done? What were your two cents? I thought it was a good show overall. Um, I, I feel like you were head over heels for it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, personally. I mean, I I'm looking at the card right now, and I really liked it. I thought it was a good show. I mean, the crowd helped, but I, I yeah. don't know if I, I would say that like put it over as like, like the greatest show they've done. I thought it was good. I thought some matches were good. Some of them weren't very long, and some of the decisions I scratched my head. So I thought it was a decent show. It was a good show. I wouldn't say it was the best show they've done, but I think the crowd definitely helped, and that probably jumped at a couple of points on the, sk- on the Richter scale here. But uh, I thought it was a decent show for what it was. I mean, I wasn't overly mad about anything. And, I mean... So, I thought it was a good show, but I definitely would say it wasn't their best show they've done. Did you end up catching the buy-in match between Serena Deeb and Riho? I did not. Your recording didn't start off with that. I got uh, Cage and Paige first. You, oh, yeah, okay, so it didn't. Um, on BR Live, it's not on there. It is on YouTube, though, because it was, it was streaming live on their YouTube channel. I would go out of your way to watch it. I didn't catch it until Tuesday. It's a great match, dude. It's definitely one of the better women's matches the company's done. Deeb is awesome, and Riho is very good too. I've never been her, I've never been her biggest fan, obviously, but I thought that was probably the best match I've seen her have in this company. So um, that's worth checking out. Great stuff there. Opening match: Adam Page, Brian Cage. I thought this was a great opener, and the right guy won, obviously. But the real uh, not drawback. What am I trying to say here? The real um, uh, bullet point here for me. The real takeaway is what the word I'm looking for is that Adam Page is really, really over. Like, this guy is fucking popular, dude. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he came off as a star. I mean, I'm not too surprised. I mean, I think he was one of their guys that was getting over before the pandemic. Um, now that they have full crowds back, I mean, he came out and it was a humongous pop. Um, I thought the match itself was good. Um, the right guy won. Not a huge fan of the, the t- Team Taz, like, feuding. Now Brian Cage is going to go face. I think he his moves his moveset like 
kind of reflects a face. Like, I feel like he doesn't really do heelish things. I think he does, like, a lot of baby face stuff for a heel, just with his size and stuff. But, like, I just feel like I just don't, like, once he leaves Team Taz, what do they really have at that point? Like, I like Ricky Starks. Powerhouse Hobbs is fine. Hook is Hook. I just, I feel like this group, I love the group together, but they're just kind of never shot straight, and they, they're they supposed to be a big heel faction, but they've never actually really done anything. Yeah, and that's because they're already pushing, you know, the Elite, and they're pushing the Pinnacle, and they have the Dark Order, who are baby faces, but they have the HFO now, and they have so many heel factions that kind of get lost in the uh, shuffle a little bit. But I thought this was a great match. We'll see where they go with it. I would not break them up quite yet. I mean, they teased tension coming out of Revolution, and it went nowhere, so we'll see where they go with it. Um, but I thought this was a great match. Now, the question is, do you do Page and Omega at All Out, or do you wait until Full Gear? Now, Full Gear was one year to when he lost to Omega, but All Out was two years from when he lost to Jericho and failed to become the first-ever champion, and it's in Chicago. So where would you pull the trigger? I would pull the trigger at All Out. I mean, this is when crowds are coming back. He's the hottest he's going to be at this point, I feel like. Drawing it on another three or four months or how long it's going to be, I just... What are you going to do with the interim? I mean, he should technically be the number one contender. I mean, you can only you can only have that kind of tied up for so long, and people just get kind of be like, okay, your rankings mean nothing, and they're bullshit. So I would pull the trigger at all out. Like I said, two years since he first uh, competed for the belt, um, beats Omega. I, I just I don't I think at full full gear they'd miss miss their chance. There's also a better chance come fall gear where he could be cooled off by then, regarding you know depending on what they do with him. So I would probably just do it all out, and I think Chicago would make for a hotter crowd and a hotter environment than St. Louis, which I'm sure would be great too. But I think Chicago might be the perfect place to do it. Um, the Bucks Moxley and Kingston to me might have been my favorite match of the night. I know you're not a big Bucks fan. I enjoy their work. Some of their matches are a bit too spot fest for me, but this was not that. I thought it told a great story. Kingston and Moxley are over, and they're a great duo. Uh, this was fantastic. My only real nitpick of it was the deflating finish. I was really hoping for a title change, and it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. It felt abrupt. Like, it was one of those classic things, dude, where we go about this all the time, where they pull out everything in their arsenal, pull out everything in the book, and then it's like a simple knee strike that puts them down for the win. Like, I hate when they do that. The Bucks are notorious for that. Otherwise, I thought this match was excellent. I mean, it, it was a Young Bucks match, if you ask me. And you say it, you say it like, oh, I thought it was a great match. I think the thing is, I think people think it's a good match because they do every move under the sun. Like, oh my god, they did every move. Okay, that doesn't make it good. I just mm-hmm. feel like they move. These guys pop back up all over the place. And like you said, the finish just—I mean, they're, they're, the the knee left finish sucks anyways, and they just don't. It doesn't come off well. You like they don't. It's not like they connect. <laughs> they look like they're like you can tell they're clearly missing the guy's head, and it just looks like shit. They're like one stepping into him. It's not like it's like a shining wizard or something that can like look like it's devastating. It looks like sh- it just doesn't look good. And it, like you said, they hit every move under the sun and then they beat him with a shitty knee lift. So it is what it is. It's a young bucks match. I mean, they're all the same at this point. Um, I like Moxley and Kingston, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's a young bucks match. Everyone says they're great just because they do every move. But at the end of the day, they just hit every move. If everyone else did that. They'd say the same shit. No, I understand that. I, I agree on the fin- I'm not done yet. I'm not oh, go ahead, yet. go ahead. And I think they strategically place their matches at the beginning of all the shows because then they can hit every other move and it seems special. Ah, if you ever realize okay. that they're always one of the first matches on, so they can hit every move that's possibly ever been done, so then it doesn't <laughs> like like so later on when someone does it's not like you're like, Oh, we already saw that tonight. 
So you're telling me to cancel my Young Bucks t-shirt purchase for you for your birthday this year? I would literally burn it immediately. <laughs> I I do agree on the finish. I don't like the... What's so devastating about their knees specifically? Like, they do tombstones. I feel like the tombstone is the new fucking Canadian destroyer. Everyone does it. Like, just I mean, because Taker tombstone- retired, everyone can do it now? What the fuck? Yeah, I feel like their tombstone doesn't look the greatest either. It looks like he's just, like, <laughs> falling on knees, like, in slow motion. But, I don't know. I just, I'm just not their biggest fan. And, like I said, I just hate how their matches specifically always end, like, very deflating, like you said. With, like, a, they hit every move under the sun, and then they, hit, they beat you with, like, a roll-up or like a little knee or some kind of weird finish that's like, it just makes it seem like it's phony and silly. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of the finish, but I, I enjoyed the match for what it was. Um, I, I don't love the constant battle royals, and I said this on hashtag, but I thought this one was very good. I, I like the layout. We got the Leo Rush surprise, which I enjoyed. People are shitting all over it. Like, what the fuck did you expect? I mean, I said this on hashtag, but like, I, I don't know what people were expecting from that. And they didn't even really hype it up as this major surprise anyway, so who cares? But Jungle Boy winning was the right call because Cage would have been booed had he lost, or had he won, rather. So he can always get a shot another time. I thought this was very well done, and I thought Jungle Boy was the uh, the right winner here based off how the crowd reacted to him. Uh, I thought it was fine. Another battle royal. I mean, I think Jungle Boy winning the crowd was fine. I just think if you have Christian in there, he's got to win. I mean, he's only had a few matches. I like Jungle Boy, but they've had which is the third year in a row they're going to give a Jungle Boy a, a world title push and lose again. So I, I, if Jungle Boy is built up a little bit better, I don't think I've been as, I don't even know if you say mad, as like uh, on the finish as I was. But like, I don't know, I feel like you bring Christian in, they make this big deal. He's going to outwork everyone. He's had like a, a couple matches. He's kind of been competitive in all these matches. Then they have him just lose to Jungle Boy. I just feel like then everyone's like, oh, now he's going to go after Omega. Like, why would he go after Omega? He just, he just lost in the Battle Royal, so... I just think it just did. I like Jungle Boy. I just think it did more, more damage to Christian than it did to Jungle Boy to win. Because I feel like he's been two or th- last two years. He's had world title matches. He's never won. It's like star and stop with him. It's not like I don't think he's not going to beat Omega again. So then he'll lose again. So what's the point at the end of the day? No, I understand that. I think with Cage, he'll get another opportunity somehow. I don't think he's going after Omega right away. He'll probably be busy doing something with Matt Hardy or someone else or something before moving on. But, no, I get that. They have to have at some point someone win this Battle Royal and then win a championship. Like, every fucking time they win these Battle Royals, they never win whenever it matters most. That's the biggest problem to me. But I had no problem with him winning because I think Cage, you, you can't put over the WWE guys all the time, and he's the older guy, so I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, and I'm his biggest fan, so I don't really mind it. Couldn't you have just had, like, the Hardy compound, the three of them throw Cage out, and then Jungle Boy gets this big win? I just feel like a babyface, a woman, a babyface, at the end of the day, doesn't really do much. Yeah, but Cage was so favored to win, it was more like, okay, anyone can win this thing. Whereas uh, if it was Matt Hardy, it's like, we know he's not fucking winning. You know what I mean? I think that's why they did that. But, no, I agree. Um, now, go off on Cody Rhodes and, and Anthony Agogo, because I completely agree with everything you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm honestly, like, as a wrestling match, I didn't hate it. Yep. Like, it was built correctly because I think Cody knows how to build a match. I just think it was dumb how, I mean, he only has had a few matches, but, like, Ogogo is, like, dropping these, the two guys he faced, like, one one punch, he's dropping these guys, he's knocking them out. So he hits Cody in the beginning of the match, okay, kicks out. I'm like, okay, like, Cody's going to sell it throughout the match. They kind of do the whole thing. Then he hits Cody with a punch to the gut and the face. And then he goes to pin him, and he's under the ropes. So I'm like, okay. But, like, you would think he's dropping guys with body shots. I mean, if he hits him in the face, God forbid. I mean, he's got to be a knockout, right? 
And then he just picks Cody up, and then Cody reverses him, gives him the gringo killer, and pins him one, two, three. I'm like, what what, what, the, what the hell's going on here? I just, I thought if Gogo looked great, I thought the match itself, as a wrestling match, was fine. I just think they didn't book it correctly. And, like, the whole USA versus British thing was just stupid. Like, why couldn't they just build it as Cody's feeding with QT, Gogo's his number one his number one student, so that's why Cody's going at them. The whole USA British thing was so stupid. It was. And I feel like the crowd like just didn't even know who to cheer for, and it just was stupid. And the match layout just sucked too. I just feel like a Gogo needed a win here to make the at least make the factory seem somewhat credible. But now they're like Team Taz; they just get these matches and keep losing. So I, I just think a Gogo should have won here. Cody didn't need the win. I think if a Gogo won here, that at least give him some more momentum. And now I just feel like they have none. I mean, QT lost; he lost. I mean. Camarado, I really don't care about solos, whatever. So, I, I think there's the wrong decision. The wrong guy won, and unfortunately, I think the factory might be in trouble of being like the next peel faction that no one cares about. But I said this last week. I think a Gogo should have been with Cody. Cody should turn heel. Should have been his heavy. But here we are, and that's the match we got. And where the fuck do we go from here? <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I think I heard you said there's going to be like a tag team match on Dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah. Match, they're gonna do the Boro match with Dustin Camarado. Like mean, you called. I mean, he hit him with a dollhouse chair like two weeks ago, so now people care, I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. I just, I think Ogogo winning at least would have kept the group some credibility. Him losing here, they just seemed like a bunch of losers, and just, it just wasn't done right. And I feel like Cody didn't need to win, and they need to build up more people, and just. It just didn't make much sense, and I think the whole American-British thing was so stupid. Yeah, I just, I don't know why. In in retrospect, it was so dumb they even went in that direction. I mean, it was just a complete waste. It, it meant nothing, and then Cody Rhodes gets all the bells and whistles with the new... Did you hear, like, the orchestra and his theme song now? It's like, is this guy like the Jeff Jarrett of AEW? Like, what the fuck is going on, dude? He's just, he is. I mean, it's... He, they, people are comparing the Jeff Jarrett, and I, I just, I, I, I like Cody. I just, I do, he, yeah. Muscles. He seems like he can lay the matchup. I just feel like the finish is always abrupt or weird, and just doesn't make sense. And <laughs> especially lately, he's been all over the place. He feuded with Penta for like a week. This whole QT thing, like Shaq. they blew it off in a week. They blew it off in a month. Just <laughs> blew the whole MF thing off in a month. I, I just feel like he hasn't really had a long term build. He gets one title title opportunity he fucking loses the belt and now he can't go for it again that was a month like he keeps doing these like little one month things and like <laughs> lost the belt to Brody Lee comes back a month later wins it I just I, I, he's just so all over the place and I just I honestly have no idea to go with him next and I honestly don't know if I care I think that's his fault though because you look at the rest of the show and everything whether you like it or not is more long term storytelling he has zero long term storytelling so like what does that tell you I don't know. I just feel like he's booking his own shit and has no idea what the fuck to do. Like, maybe you shouldn't give every wrestler the book. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But, uh, oh well. Um, before I let you go in the next couple minutes, what were your thoughts on the rest of the show? We'll just give you your quick thoughts on uh, Miro Archer, Baker Sheeta, the Sting and Allen tag team match, and the triple threat title match, and the main event. Jesus Christ. This show was long. It was know? really long. It was four it was hours, long. pretty much. I, I almost fell asleep. I, luckily, I only watched snippets, so I gotta go back and watch him and the stuff. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sleepyhead, but uh, <laughs> I thought Sheet on Baker was good. I think it went a little long. Didn't love the interference at the end, but Baker winning was what should have happened. Don't love how Charvani and her are like best buddies now. Like She was shitting on the guy for like three months, and now all of a sudden they're best friends. 
Um, but I like Baker. I think she's the right champion. I just, I mean, maybe Conti. I just don't really see there's a ton of challenges for her right now. But, I mean, I, I think her winning a championship was long overdue. Um, she's been great as a heel. She's been the best women on their roster, at least. Um, Miro and Archer was fine for what it was. Um, that was just a good match. Nothing great, nothing t- bad. Um, the, the tag team match was whatever. Um, Sting in the ring was fine. Um, I, I mean, I really don't know what you do with them from here, but it was a good little match. Get them on the show. Triple Threat was actually better than I expected. Um, I mean, I think we all knew Omega was going to win, so, I mean, it wasn't too surprising. The whole belt thing was kind of like, just like, get it over with. Like, hit some of the belt, throws them in the, like, we get it. It was kind of dumb, but whatever. That's just a little nitpick on that end. But uh, him winning was fine. And the Stampede match, I wasn't even really a big fan of last year's, but I feel like last year's, like, had, like, better flow, if that makes sense. I feel like this one, like, seemed like it was, like, a movie with, like, different scene cuts. Like, even though last year they did go from different spots to different spots, I feel like it kind of, like, went together a little bit better. And I feel like the ending with them all kind of being in the same area was better last year. Like, this year, like, we see them, they're all over the place. They're clearly all in different, like, weird skits. And, like, they're in the freezer. They're in a club. Sean Spears in the chair room, which I didn't know NFL stadiums had a chair room. So that <laughs> then Jericho and MGF are like in, like in the coach's office and they get into the arena and then it ends. I thought like they'd all come back to the ring at some point, but no, we got Sammy and Spears and he's a minute and they're two in the ring and he just beat them clean one, two, three. And where were the other heels? Like how did the other faces know the match was over? I it just, it was weird. I didn't really like it. It was kind of silly. They said it was going to be serious, and it was as silly as last year's was. I don't know what it really does to the pinnacle, because I guess it was Spears losing, but, like, we didn't really see any of the other guys for the last, like, five to ten minutes. So, um, I guess we'll probably get another match for them. I, I, I really don't know what you do. Realistically, they should have done Stadium Stampede first when they had no crowd, and when they had a full crowd, they could have done Blood and Guts. Mm-hmm. I think that would have made more sense. But now we'll get a regular ten man tag team match. We'll get like Mimosa Mayhem with ten guys or some weird thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to care. There's just I, I I like the I like the stadium stampede stuff. I like the blood and guts matches. It's just you're moving backwards. I mean you should have done a regular match first, stadium stampede second. And then Blood and Guts third, if you even do three matches. If they just move on from this, what do you we we talked about this a few weeks ago, but what's even accomplished? Like Inner Circle finally wins, and that's great, but I don't know. They now they just now the pinnacle feel like another faction, so it's just bizarre to me. I enjoyed the match overall. I thought it was a great show. Um we'll see where they go with the next, the hot crowd, but uh yeah, I, I have plenty more to say, and I'm going to have it up in a written review at some point. But uh, any other thoughts, Mr. Marcel, before I let you go here on uh, Double or Nothing or anything else going on in the world of wrestling? I thought it was a fine show. I just, like I said, I think some of the puzzling uh, finishes kind of made my head scratch. And um, I just don't, some of the, I just, I feel like it didn't really build too much in the future. I thought it was a good show, but I felt like nothing was really built in the future. So we'll see what happens. I mean,. They definitely probably aren't happy with the rating they pulled on Friday. I, th- I thought it would definitely be down a little bit, but for how far down it was, I was very surprised. I mean, I know they have their core audience, but, I mean, they usually pull around eight to 900. I thought, eh, you know, maybe 700, 750,000 down to 550 was a little head-scratching, but uh, it is also late at night, and, I mean, thing is, those people should be up at that point. So we'll see what happens, but uh, that was a good show. I think going into All Out, we'll have 
a better build. I think we'll have more big dynamic changes. Maybe is what maybe that's my. I think that I think that should be the show that they make the big changes, like Hangman finally getting his win, and maybe someone like a a, a Jungle Boy or um, someone in that light like wins the TNT belt or something like that. Kind of like a more newsworthy show. I thought it was a good show. I just think not a lot of big things for the future happen. No, I agree. Um, I thought it was an overall enjoyable show. Mark Henry, you know, debuted as well. That's not really uh, nothing to get into now, but I thought it was a cool moment. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I know Dynamite's airing on Friday this week, so we'll have more to discuss next week in regards to that. You talked about ratings. You see the raw rating for Monday did 1.1 million viewers in their third hour, which is terrible. I mean, it's past my bedtime, so I can't stay up for that. Yeah, the show's in the shit right now. That's a different discussion for a different day. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. It's kind of getting lost in the news right now with all the releases, but I gotta let you go, Mr. Marceau. You have a great one. I'll catch your ass next week, brother. Later, man. Adios. Adios.